Hopefully that you enjoy meeting our people and spending some time with us. And after the service, we hope you'll stay enough that we can greet you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for each one of you being here this morning. Uh, and I want to mention, uh, if you're live streaming with us, we welcome you to join us through streaming. And also, if the opportunity can come, we uh, invite you to come and join us here in our Worship service on Sunday morning. Would enjoy having you come with us. If the friendship register has not been passed down your pew, please do that. Please sign that. That's very important to us to be able to keep the attendance of who's here and then know who's not here. Uh, this morning, our song leader is Gibson Foster. Opening prayer is Luther Mormon. Scripture reading is Aaron Foster. Brother Ken bringing our lesson today, Michael Dooley in charge of our Lord's Supper, and Todd Sweeney will be making the closing elements. Once again, I want you to know that we deeply appreciate your attendance here this day, and let's have a prayer as we begin our worship service. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day you blessed us with, and for this opportunity to symbol as your people for worship today. We're thankful, Father, for each one here today. And Father, we know that uh, we have people that seek that's not able to be here today. We pray for them. They'll soon be well and be back in our worship service. Father, we pray for uh, Ken today as he brings a lesson to us. We pray that we can be very attentive, grow spiritually from the things we hear today. We're just thankful so much for these men that participate. We pray for all of them today that have a leadership position in our worship service. And Father, we pray, we thank you for the blessings for, on this congregation. We have so many things to be thankful for that you help us with and you bless us with. We pray that will continue. And Father, now let's be prepared with our minds and our hearts for the worship service. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The first song this morning will be singing Be Happy, 587. 
Let's sing. If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and burdens seem great all the whole day through, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see, my friends, trust in His promises. to this day. We're thankful for this Lord's Day, Father, that we can assemble together the songs of praise thy name and worship thee in spirit also in truth. We're thankful, Father, for every member that makes us a congregation here. And pray that we bless us as we strive to spread that word throughout the community and the world. 
we pray for those that are sick this day, that are unable to be with us, Father. As I bless and be upon them, Father, for those that have maybe grown old in years and unable to get out, Father, we pray for them in a special way. We're thankful for our elders and pray for them, Father, they will continue to lead us and we continue to grow in number, but also in spirit, Father. We're thankful for our nation and we pray, Father, that they would look to thee for guidance also, Father. We pray, Father, for those that have asked to intercede in their prayers and ask our blessing be upon them. We pray for Brother Ken as he brings the message of the hour. Ask our blessing be upon him and his family, Father. Ask the Father that would forgive us any sin that might be against us as we repent and turn from those things, Father. A word to ask in Christ's name. Amen. The invitation song today will be Hark the Gentle Voice. The song before Mr. Ken's lesson will be Victory in Jesus, 470. I heard an old, old story how
Chapter 40, verse 31. I think it's a familiar text, and it says this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Good morning, everyone. Today could have been a very different sort of day. Because on Tuesday evening, Katie and Drew and Annie Kate's house burned down. They were already in bed. And who would have anticipated something like that. But Cody Triplett, Cody, are you here today? There he is right there. Just fix your eyes right there. Cody Triplett, going about his routine, passed by that area, saw something down there laying that didn't look right, and investigated it. He found the fire, and it was already beginning to engulf at least the front portion of the house. He did not casually knock on the door, but in those frantic moments, he beat on that door until he got their attention. And the house, uh, you can drive by there today if you like. I mean, it, it looks to me like a total loss. But today, Cody, we have Drew and Katie, Annie Kate here today. So, thank you. Anybody else thankful for that? So, you're a hero, and we just, we just can't thank you enough for, in that moment, taking the initiative to investigate I sure hope you end up in our police force. Today's also important because of the text that we're going to study together. I don't know. As Aaron said, it is a very familiar text. I have a plaque or two in my office 
that have that text printed on it. I had a friend who some time ago, well, actually they like to go to a lot of flea markets <laughs> and they saw this big brass eagle and they decided to get that for me. And they said, you, you know what that is? And I kept thinking, I'm not real sure what that is. <laughs> I see it's an eagle. They said, that just reminds me of Isaiah 40 and verse 31. I thought, yeah, you're right. It does. And so I even today have that large brass eagle in my office on a shelf. Reminds me just how incredibly good God is. And how if we will be faithful to him, the extraordinary heights to which he will take us. I hope today, maybe with the events of this week on your heart, or some other burden that you might be struggling with as a Christian. Some roadblock that's in the way. Something that threatens to undermine your Christianity even. I hope that those thoughts coupled with what we have in store for us today will help you to rethink this journey that you're on. Maybe the struggle that you're in. And will will motivate you just to, just to hang on. This is also a time of worship for us. We've been singing and praying together. We expect in just a few minutes to be partaking the Lord's Supper and giving. But right now we are worshiping as we meditate upon the Word of God. And it's my hope that these words will find their place on your heart and do exactly what they were intended to do all along. We're going to pray about that, and we're also going to ask God to help me to speak this message in a way that is meaningful to you, that God can use me to communicate that in a way that you can grasp and not just understand it. I think we can grasp that part of it, but make the application that's special for you. Let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this day, the first day of the week, the day that we can assemble together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Our hearts have already been full as we entered into this place and we have spilled out our joy, our gratitude, our honor of you in these acts of worship. And now, Father, I pray that we will continue to do that. Fill us up with your word. Help the expressions of our own hearts to be mingled with that of your spirit as it speaks to us through this word and empower us to make the changes that are necessary. Motivate us, Lord, and help us to be ever dependent upon you. Help us to listen to you. I pray, Lord, that you will fill us all with hope and aspiration for the things that are ahead, whether, whether we are in a good place or a difficult place right now, knowing that we will persevere with you on our side. In Jesus' name, amen. So those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up 
with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah is an interesting study in that Isaiah prophesied during the time in which both Israel and Judah existed and Israel was in trouble. Soon they would be taken away by the Assyrians, practically never to be heard from again. Judah, within 150 years or so, would experience the same fate as a result of Babylonian captivity. However, Isaiah is prophesying now about that time that is to come in contemporary language. He is writing it as though he is standing there in the moment himself. He has his arms around the people and he's consoling them and encouraging them to carry on. And if we could, if we could put ourselves in that moment, put ourselves in their shoes and to experience what they were experiencing, I think that would be helpful. You're talking about a generation that's under consideration here now that had not ever seen the land of Judah. You're talking about a people that had never seen Jerusalem. He's referencing a second generation of people that have been in Babylon for well nigh 70 years. And so all those people that had experienced the homeland, they were dead. All they've heard are stories. But the one thing that was consistent throughout was to continue to have faith in God because God was going to deliver his people. I say put yourselves in their shoes because despite being in captivity, it wasn't really terrible for most people. A lot of those Jews in Babylon, they would wake up every morning and they could see the grandeur and the power of Babylon. Safe, secure. Many of them, having been taken, snatched away from their homeland, now resettled in a second generation, just going about their business, many of them had become wealthy merchants. And so now the time has come that God had prophesied about that they are to return to their homeland. And, you know, I would just have to think, wait a minute. Seriously? I've got it good right now. Why would I want to go back to a land that has, has been neglected all these decades? And last we heard, not only was the land ravaged, but the city walls were destroyed and the temple was torn down. Why would we want to go back there? Why would we gather up a few possessions and walk them or carry them in carts 700 miles and start our lives over again? Most people said, I will take a pass on that. No thanks. But God, God was marshalling the facts as he saw them. 
God who could see the beginning and the end as though they were the same moment was compelling them to make that move because God was still, despite the agony of his people, still on his throne. God said, I do not want you to forget, verses 28 and 29, that I am the Lord. I am the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord of Jacob. I am the creator of the ends of the earth. So when it comes to the travel, when it comes to the difficulties that one might perceive he is going to experience in this long journey back and all the labor and the the intense effort and the, the frustration that's going to mount and all the opposition that is around, remember that I'm the one who can strengthen you. I'm the one who has the power to enable you. Your weakness and your weariness, I will overcome. So, do not fear. Do not be afraid. For some, there was the mindset, (laughs) despite all of that, no, no way. They would utterly fall. Those who refused the direction of God. But there would be that small group of people, that remnant of the faithful to God, who would take that journey, who would gain their strength from the Lord, and would be the very expression of what was in this text right here. That they would mount up with wings like eagles, that they would run and not be weary, that they would walk and not faint. I'm thinking that as much as clearly that was true for them, and and the history just unfolds God's power and watch care over them and protection and the rebuilding of that city and the fulfillment of the promises of God So too, even in this moment, is a relation between what is ages ago a past success and us now. God's people, seemingly in a a far country, sojourning in a land that truly is not theirs, anticipating something greater, but still beset by enemies on the left and the right, the challenges and the difficulties of this life. He tells them to wait on the Lord. That expression of waiting on him is hopeful waiting, hopeful anticipation. I trust God now in this moment. And as I trust God now in this moment, and I am, I am propelled by my faith, yet I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know where the valleys are or the high mountains of success. But in every case, I am going to stop and praise God. I'm going to trust in that Holy One of Israel. I'm going to trust in the creator of the ends of the earth. We patiently hope in or wait in hope. Hope. It's kind of funny to use that word here in this context 
because for the mass of people, there was anything but hope. It doesn't mean they didn't begin with hope. That's what the prophecies were about, to instill hope in the people. And from one generation to the next, all these prophecies are pushed down, pushed down until ultimately they come to the generation in which will be the fulfillment of those prophecies. So here we are. We are here, and now with all the ages past of people looking forward, we have hope. Yes, well, yeah, we did have hope. Here's the thing. We kind of believed. No, no, we didn't kind of believe it. We believed it with all our hearts. That as much as Israel had fallen to the Assyrians, that Judah, uh, God's, God's stronghold in the world, would never succumb. And yet, Judah's been defeated. We thought even if those walls had been breached, that the very place where the essence of God would be housed, where we had gone generation after generation in order to worship God, to send our high priest in there for the forgiveness of the sins of a nation, the sacrifices and the blood that was shed over and over and over again, year after year. We just knew that that would be maintained. And yet... The temple had been destroyed. And we thought, no matter what, that God would never, ever leave us. God would never forsake us in a foreign land. And yet, that, that has happened too. Yeah, hope. We, we had hope, but we've lost our hope. And worse than that, the people have become negative. Not just that these things had happened, but I guess it's natural that the outgrowth of such events in your life would then create the mind that God has forgotten us or that God doesn't care about us, that things are never going to be good again. That seems to happen a lot. Get frustrated, bad things happen. I turn and I want to blame God and then I want to accuse God. I want to say he isn't there, that he doesn't really care about me when he when he does. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 32, Hebrews writers dealing with similar things with the Christians who had left Judaism. They had become faithful to the Lord, but they've, they've fallen a hard times. And now the natural knee-jerk reaction is to go back to the place where it was safe. But he says, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. 
Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which have great reward for. After you've received the promise, you may inherit it. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. For we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Right here in a small package is the picture of God's frustration at our frustration. Here's what we do. We're faithful to the Lord. We're clicking along. We're doing great And then we face an obstacle, some setback, some stumbling block. And all of a sudden, we just want to throw up our hands and give up. God says, why would we do that? It is in this moment that our faith can shine. And he says, we're not the people who just give up when we hit a roadblock. It is in those moments that our faith just redoubles itself. When we stand up with God by our side, empowering our every move, and we, we plan not just beyond this obstacle or the one that comes after it or subsequent problems that otherwise might throw people in the ditch. He says we hang on to the very end. That is what God was hoping for his own people. And the majority of them were falling by the way. But there was, there was that small group of people who said, no, no, I am, I'm going to see God through on this. I, I am going to endure. In fact, Isaiah says, very emphatically. No, that isn't how it is. It isn't that God's with us when there are good times and God has forsaken us when there are bad times. God is with us all the time and God is walking through with us. And the people would raise their hands symbolically. Of course, this wasn't literally true, but they could raise their hands symbolically and say, Isaiah, but what about these chains? I mean, we're not in our homeland. We are subjugated as good as it might be. We still don't have our own land. We still answer to somebody else. What about these chains? And seriously, I guess I I would ask us the same thing. We may talk about how we are so free. We celebrated yesterday, Veterans Day, and we we remember those who fought for our freedom. And there is freedom, but there are so many ways in this society that we are as yet children of God held in chains. God promised them as he would promise us that there is no chain that he cannot break. And we say, we say as many, well, I'm impatient. And maybe sometimes our impatience is our undoing. I say, yeah, Lord, I'm going to be faithful this time. I'm going to see it through this time. And then however this goes, that might determine how it goes on down the road. Uh, Seriously, God, God is not standing back in the shadows just kind of dependent upon our own whims or how much we can tolerate. Oh, I see that you've you've only got so much sustenance within you. Since you can't bear anymore, I'll just lay off. That is not God's plan at all. In fact, I would think that if 
we were to lay out the plan that we have for ourselves, it might just give God a little chuckle. Like, really? I think of the Apostle Paul, who is told in the very outset of his walk as a Christian of the great things that he was going to do. He is going to be able to teach the gospel to kings. And I can only imagine what's running through his mind about how that's going to happen. Maybe he's going to get some grand appointment or he's going to meet somebody famous and they're going to take him right up to Caesar. It is going to be so amazing. Who would ever have thought that someone so important to the plan of God would find his audience with Caesar in chains? Under house arrest, who would have thought? Yeah, I'm sure that, that God finds amusement with how we think we're going to work through these things. Maybe it's going to get worse before it ever gets better. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. God's desire is for us, despite the circumstances, just, just to remain faithful. Oh, wait. Okay, so remain faithful. Hey, I get it. And, and I've heard some slogans, uh, really cool slogans. Like, believe it and you will achieve it. <laughs> hey, that fits a lot of things. I, I've seen that used in like the health field where it's like, if I believe that I can be healthy, that will motivate me to get out there and do what's necessary, the exercise or whatever, eat right. I'm going to believe that I'm going to be successful and that I'm going to achieve that success. And then people use that all throughout their lives. Hey, can, can I just employ that in my Christian life? I'll just believe it and then I'll achieve it. Too many have gone that way. But God is not asking for us to do some kind of mental gymnastics in order to talk ourselves into a better state of being or to talk ourselves into hanging in there with the Lord. Not mental gymnastics. Here's what God wants us to do without the achieving part. Forget the achieving. The first thing I want you to do is just trust me. Just trust me. Period, end of the quaint saying. Trust me. I don't think that there is anything so powerful, so beautiful as a soul that is completely subjected to God. I don't think there is anything as beautiful as the soul that says, Lord, I'm yours. Because in that moment, when I give myself wholly, unconditionally, totally to the Lord, in that moment, 
The Lord then takes responsibility for me. It's not that I took myself into this mess and so I'm going to get me out. Lord, I give up. So whatever it is that your will is, that's my will. So the Lord wills that I fall into this difficulty. Maybe it is a moment of training for me. I'm just with you, Lord, because I trust you. You are responsible for this. I didn't bring me here. You brought me here. I'm totally at your disposal. When I empty myself that way, then sure, there are going to be those moments, and lots of them I'm, I'm confident that I'm going to be on a high mountain. And I just am like, man, that decision to empty myself and to let God be in total control, that was a wonderful decision. Look where I am. But that also says that as God is responsible for me, when I fall deep into that valley, guess what? I also can claim the glory of God. I can lift him up. I can praise him because I know that this is all just a part and parcel to the will of God. And he will carry me through this just as much as he has done for anybody else. And there will be deliverance and he'll be glorified in that too. The thing is, hanging on, hanging on, through that moment. Abraham did that. That's why he's called the father of the faithful. He was told he was going to have a son, an only begotten son, a unique son. It was later Isaac, but Isaac was in waiting for 25 years. And it tested the faith of Abraham. And he failed on multiple occasions. But God, well, God never failed. God brought the son that he promised. And other promises that God had made to Abraham were not even fulfilled in Abraham's lifetime. Many generations of people spoke of the promises that were made by God to him, ultimately seeing their fulfillment. But Abraham didn't give up just simply because he didn't see those fulfilled. He had seen enough. And Joseph one of those descendants. Joseph has an incredible story of one disappointment after the other. You talk about hills and valleys. That man saw it all, but through it all remained faithful. And here's something that he says that I think is so powerful in its reflection upon that life of hills and valleys. It's found in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He's talking to his brothers and the conspiracy that had brought about much of the trauma in Joseph's life. But he declares, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Now, in the short run, it would be the deliverance of his own people from the famine. But in the bigger picture, in the bigger scheme of things, isn't that what we should always be holding on to? <laughs> Look, the enemy is out there constantly looking for that one hill, that one stumbling block that will finally make us give up finally have success. 
But in a final analysis, wouldn't it be great to be able to say, as I submitted myself to God holy, I put myself under his realm of responsibility. Wouldn't it be great to say with Joseph, well, I know that they meant it for evil and I took every shot, but God through it all meant it for good. We also faithfully act in expectation. So he says those who wait, and I described that earlier as hopeful waiting or hopeful anticipation. So when I use the word hope there, I'm talking about a desirous expectation as we built it through these preliminary talks. The faith that we have, I, I know and I trust in God. And even though I can't see it right now, I know that the end result is going to be what he promised. So I trust that without any further evidence. I just, I, I'm not going to give up on God. So I am hopefully waiting or I am, I am hopefully in anticipation of what God is going to give. He says that those who wait that way, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm going to tell you that sometimes when I am with God, it is like I am soaring with the eagles. Have you been there where you've just had the spiritual success, this, this study of the Word of God maybe, or this interaction with another precious soul, and you're just overwhelmed with the goodness of God, and it's like your feet don't even touch the ground. And then there are times when Maybe it's not on that level, but things are going great and we are running strong and, and it's like nothing can stop us. We look to the future and it is so bright and we trust in God every step of the way. It's not perfect, but he's giving success after success and we just know that there is going to be a liftoff. And then there are also those times when Man, Ken, I'm not soaring, and I'm not running. I'm barely able to put one foot in front of the other. That's okay, because even when, even when all I can do is put one foot in front of the other, God will make it so that that will not wear me out. Also, I think there's an application here to the attempt that we're making in the execution of our faith. For instance, I say I want to soar with God or I want to run with God or I'll walk. Hey, he's helping me. Well, at the same time, maybe, there, maybe there's a sense in my own mind of urgency. And when God is calling for me to walk, I'm just wanting to outpace him and run ahead. Or, or when I'm running, boy, I, I just, you know, I, I just want to fly here, Lord. Let's just go. Let's go. I become impatient with the Lord. There, there has to be an ultimate balance remembering He's responsible for me. I, I've employed myself into his care. 
So whether this thing that I'm anticipating happens quickly or whether it takes some time, as in the case of Joseph and Abraham, or whether it takes decades or generations of time, I should be keeping pace with the Lord, responsible to Him, as He in turn helps, helps me to maintain my faith. But you know those times? I'm sure you do. And, and if it's not a lot, maybe it's just been a time or two. But those times when you might say, it does feel like I'm soaring. I've, I've mounted up with wings like eagles. I, I read that eagles, the big, enormous bird that they are, the, the body of the thing might be anywhere from 12 to 20 pounds. But their wingspan, five to eight feet across, enormous. They live in the high peaks or the high trees around. There's some even in our area. They always perch themselves in the highest locations, up in the crevices and these huge nests. But when they take off from those places, their bodies are so big and the, the wingspan so, so broad that the idea of regular flight, just flapping those wings, that, that is not their mode of transportation. Now, they can take off that way and they can gain momentum, but an eagle flies as a result of the currents, the wind, and our atmosphere. And as they catch those drafts, they can go higher and higher, hardly twitching their wings as they soar high above the ground. Hence the phrase, wind beneath my wings. This text is describing that application. There are times when I'm just barely walking. There are times when God incites running in me and I just go as hard as I can go and he empowers it. But there are those times in our life when God is calling for us to spread our wings and let his strength carry us to greater heights. Open up those wings and let God take control. Too many in Isaiah's time had given up on that potential. But there were the few who understood what it meant to soar like eagles. I'm wondering, do you feel that way? Do, do you know what it means to be totally lifted by God's power? Or in those weaker moments, to run with God, or, or even to walk in His presence, empowered by His love care over you. I know this, that even in our darkest moments, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 30 says that we can count on him exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God is able to do it. But are you allowing him to do it? Today, I'm just wondering if you can relate to this text. 
Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you're a child of God, that, that is you. <laughs> that, that is your calling. Have you laid hold of that? Have you gotten to the place where you've totally given yourself over to the direction of God, submitted yourself wholly there? He will be responsible for you. If you've done that, but you have squandered it some way, or you've tried to take control back, today's the day to repent of that. Let God have his way with you. If you're not a child of God today, today gives you an opportunity to respond to the gospel, to have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and the waters of baptism. Having repented of your sins and confessed your faith, be buried in that water, have your sins washed away, rise in newness of life. If there's anybody who needs to soar today, why don't you come forward while we stand together and sing?
the hymn ones this morning, please raise your hand and an usher will gladly give them to you. This morning, I want us to think about one simple and easy verse, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He wept over the loss of a friend. He experienced the same emotions that me and you experience. <clears throat> he experienced pain on the cross. He experienced the long, hard, painful walk with the cross on his back. He experienced the nails through his hands and the nail through his foot, his feet. He experienced so a severe pain that me and you can only imagine. And I want you to think about that. Let's pray for the bread. And dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. Thank you for this bread that represents the body of Christ who did the ultimate thing and died for our sins and did something that a lot of people cannot even fathom and imagine, Lord. And thank you for the opportunity to be here and to do this in his name, in Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Let us pray, pray for the fruit of the vine. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here and to do this. And may we always do it in a pleasing manner, Lord. Thank you for this fruit of the vine. And thank you for what it represents, the blood of Jesus that died on the cross for our sins. It is in his precious name that we pray. Amen. As we continue our worship and our giving today, if you will, please bow with me. Our Father who art in heaven, we bow with humble hearts, full of gratitude, Father, for all that you have given us. So thankful, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ, for giving him to die upon the cross for the sins of the world. Father, we pray that as we give today that we'll be mindful of all those in need, we're so thankful for the eldership that's here in place, Father, and their stewardship over all our giving. We pray, Father, that you'll bless our giving today as it brings a shelter to the homeless, to food to the hungry, and to hope for the hopeless. Father, we just pray that we will do this in a manner that's pleasing to you. We'll always glorify you. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. We do have a few announcements before we dismiss. We had 304 in worship this morning. If you have, the, have your bulletin, there's several announcements, a few I want to mention. The Golden Circle Luncheon is this coming Tuesday at 11.30 in the Annex. And remember our Thanksgiving service will be on a Tuesday. That's on a Tuesday evening, November 21st. Uh, no classes will meet and we will have our annual pie supper, which will follow in the Annex. This has become a really fun time and tradition that we do, so please make plans to attend on Tuesday night, November 21st. I have a card, it reads, Dear Church Family. Family is exactly the word that comes to mind when we think about the tremendous outpouring of love that we have been shown since Tuesday night. As we were standing in our neighbor's yard watching our worldly possessions literally go up in flames, it was our brothers and sisters who were standing there with us, supporting us. It took mere minutes after the fire started and you began showing up to love on us and then immediately went to meeting our needs. From going to Walmart to make sure we had what we needed to make it through the night, to playing with our sweet Annie Kate, holding us as we cried, and Ken for leading us in the most sincere prayer. All of that meant the world to us. We have been overwhelmed through your generosity. From the elders who have so graciously allowed us to live in the Hester house so we can have a place to call home for the near future, to all of our precious friends who through so many, many acts of service have made that house feel more like home those of you who have selflessly helped us financially and given us so many material things that will help us as we start over. <clears throat> and most importantly, all of you who have prayed for us, we have felt every single prayer sent up on our behalf. Even though we have always felt blessed to be part of the Boonville family, we now, we know just how blessed we really are to be a part of this special group. We are so thankful to call Boonville home. We love you all so much, Drew, Katie, and Annie Kate Bruce. If you bow with me, we'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your unbelievable love that you show us. God, we ask today that you continue to renew our strength and that we continue to put our faith in you each day. And God, we just pray that we're a little better today than we were yesterday. And God, hopefully if we see tomorrow that we will be better tomorrow than we were today. And we just pray that everything we do, we do to serve you. Please forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.